everyone, and welcome to the Spirit Pilots Podcast. I'm Greg Hudson, Chairman of the Communications Committee. I'm here with the Vice Chair, Colin Thornton. Hello. Today we're talking to Karen Riley. She's the Chairman of the Environmental Standards Committee. How are you, Karen? I'm doing well today, Colin and Greg. How are you guys doing? Doing good. Good. Yeah, doing well. Thanks. So tell us a little about about yourself, Karen, a little bit of your history. I came to Spirit uh, as a freight dog from uh, I'm an ex-DHL pilot. Came here in 2015, so happy to be here and uh, uh, happy to be on committee and doing all good committee work. Great. So how long have you been involved with the ESC? I uh, kind of took over from Eric Tellman, Captain Eric Tellman, and uh, it was not quite what I expected when I first took over. I was not anticipating the level of work that was going to be involved, quite frankly, but I don't think any uh, committee chair is. Uh, but uh, I hear that. so yeah, you can you can uh, relate relate to that, I'm sure. But uh, it's all been good. It's been uh, quite an education, and uh, I'd like to share some of that information with you all today. Okay. So who works with you on the ESC? Who are the committee members? I am so so lucky because I have Ben Grems on committee with me, and uh, Captain David uh, Greenway. Okay, good. Mm-hmm. So what what kind of things do you deal with on the ESC? Um, the three major. Uh, topics that we have. The primary one, of course, is fume events. Yeah. Uh, Alpa starting to get away from the word, the words fume event to describe a fume event. They're going more towards uh, AQE, which is air quality uh, event. So uh, if I say AQE, those terms are used interchangeably. Okay. Uh, well, eventually, it's only going to be AQE, but fume event AQE is the same. Mm-hmm. We also uh, deal with radiation exposure, which obviously is another hazard to uh, all pilots. And uh, our dirty flight decks has become an issue. It's been an issue for quite a while. Okay. So I'd like to talk about that today as well, because that's um, definitely something that we need to address. Okay. Um, th- so the dirty flight decks, you get on a plane in the morning, say, and it's dirty, there's crumbs or any, you know, any sort of right. sort of filth there. What, what could people do? I hate to say this, but uh, that seems to be more typical than non-typical, right? Yeah. So, you know, especially first thing in the morning when you come uh, onto the airplane, the flight, at, the forward flight attendant station should have a piece of paper that says RON task card, R-O-N task card. Uh-huh. You, if you see the task card, uh, part of that, is, every, there's going to be a lot of boxes and they're all going to be checked off, which means the cleaners did what they were supposed to do they always, and they, they checked always the box. They right? always do what they're supposed <laughs> to do. And then you get on the flight deck and you're, and they were supposed to have uh, vacuumed the carpet and uh, swiped the cup holders and the panel uh, right beside the cup holders, uh-huh. but none of that's been done. And it, it, I know people that it takes a, two minutes of extra work, but you have to do this. Uh, right now, the company is thinking that there's not a problem at all because they're paying for the cleaners to clean the flight decks. Uh-huh. As far as the company's concerned, this work is being done, but it's not being done, and the company's unaware of it. So you have to send an email to Dirty Jets, D-I-R-T-Y-J-E-T-S, it's plural, at spirit.com. Okay. Um, that goes to the fleet appearance manager at Spirit, and she's very, very good about uh, rectifying this, the situation. If you send me a dart on committee, uh, right. we'll do a follow-up. Uh, and you don't have to CC me, but if you do, I'll do, I'll follow up on it. Uh, when you send that email, it's very important. Uh, they need the city pairing. Um, they need the tail number uh-huh. and a picture or two pictures worth a thousand words, oh, right? Yeah, absolutely. So a couple pictures. Okay, good. That's good to know. So dirty jets at spirit.com. That's if the you email. encounter. It's mainly on an overnight is when they're, they're supposed to be cleaning the yeah. cockpit. Yeah. And not all stations, um, do, do the, uh, raw overnight cleaning. Okay, but, but if you see that checklist and if it's dirty, yeah. 
then to, send that email. It's, okay. it's really important. And I know, again, it's extra work, it's time, but uh, that's the only way that our uh, we're going to start getting cleaned up on our flight decks. Okay, good. Uh, so you mentioned radiation. Yeah, uh, there's, you know, this, if we start talking about radiation, we could literally spend an hour on that okay. one subject. <laughs> there's uh, some main highlights, some big points that I want uh, our flight crew members to, to know, to take away from this podcast. The big one is there's two types of radiation that you're right. exposed to on every flight. One is uh, ultraviolet. This mm-hmm. is the same type of radiation that when you go to the beach and you get a sunburn, that's ultraviolet radiation causing that, right? To protect yourself from ultraviolet radiation, you can wear a long sleeve shirt, you can right. wear sunscreen, you know, that's your protection. The other radiation... People, people are pretty familiar with that yeah, type that's what, of radiation, right? Yeah. And that's what everybody thinks. When uh-huh. you ta- start talking about radiation, that's what comes to everybody's mind. But the one rate, that's not what's really going to, that can hurt you, but what's really going to hurt you is cosmic radiation, which is the other type of radiation. Cosmic radiation comes from, as you would surmise, from the cosmos. And uh, it can also come from uh, coronal mass ejections from the sun, also from solar flares from the sun, but also just rocks that are in the universe. And we're constantly exposed to this type of radiation. It doesn't matter the time of day. It could be nighttime, daytime. The only protection that you have from cosmic radiation is the ionosphere. And of course, the ionosphere is thinner at the poles and thicker at the equator. So uh, here at Spirit, we're fortunate that we do a lot of South America stuff, so we're Mm -hmm. more protected. And our airplanes don't fly super high either. That's another good thing about flying this uh, version of the Airbus. But uh, if if you have a flight that's... um, say from Seattle to Chicago, that latitude, that that northern border between the United States and Canada uh, is about where you can start increasing your radiation exposure significantly. Okay. So if you have, like you said, nor- towards the poles, yeah. and that's kind of where the line, it, it gets the, progressively worse. That's when you really, worse maybe. Yeah, you really want to start paying attention to your yeah. altitude. And, you know, all things being equal, listen, we know gas is outrageous right now. We all want to save spirits some money. And, uh, but all things being equal, you know, if you can, if you're at a northern latitude and you can fly a little lower, uh, just, Put that in the equation of do okay. you want to climb or not? Think about that next Think time. Think about maybe, it, yeah. right. So, okay, good. So guys flying across the pond, you know, in the northern latitudes over to, you know, the UK or whatever it is, you know, those guys are getting huge amounts of exposure in and comparison to what the, we get going south. Absolutely. The corporate guys get a lot of because they're up at 45, uh-huh. right? 40, oh, they're, wow. and, they're, and they're flying uh, global routes. They're buying, flying great circle routes, which uh, is just oh, all bad. Poles, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. does the amount of exposure you get uh, change, uh, whether it be day or nighttime, given that the ionosphere moves no day uh your your cosmic radiation uh is going to be the same uh regardless of the time of day it's all a matter of uh how high you're flying because how much ionosphere that is protecting you so it's more about where you're flying uh your your uh latitude uh, that you're flying than it is time of day time of day has nothing to do with cosmic radiation uh, time of day is ultraviolet radiation i got you and are, they, are the uh, cockpits protected from ultraviolet radiation? Do they have uh, protection on the windscreens and stuff like that? I don't have that information from an Airbus engineer. I have been told that our window shades do protect us from ultraviolet radiation. Yeah. Uh, but I can't say that's on good authority because that's not in writing from an Airbus engineer. Okay. So I would still, for protection from ultraviolet radiation, I would still, again, long sleeve shirts sunscreen. or uh, sunscreen. Okay. Good. Gotcha. Uh, you said in our, our pre-brief, you're talking about, you know, flying from Seattle to uh, Chicago or something like that, um, or that kind of a city pair. And you were saying that, you know, the difference between flight level 340 and 380 can be, you know, a 50% increase in the amount of radiation exposure. 
Exactly, and it depends on uh, what's going on in the cosmos at that time. Was there uh, pr previously, uh, it, it take, if, if the sun has, say, a coronal mass ejection, it's going to take two to three days to arrive uh, at, on Earth. Uh -huh. And so uh, if, they, if something uh, of an event of that type happens, uh, you could have a significantly higher radiation exposure just at 4,000 feet. And again, this goes back to being careful about choosing your altitude that you fly at all things being equal, if you can fly lower, especially if you know that an event of this type is happening, mm -hmm. uh, maybe you want to think about that. So are there ways of finding out what your exposure is on any particular day? The FAA has a, uh, a website that you can go to, FAA Radiation uh, Carry 7A, and then you put in the city pairing, and I believe it also wants the time, their time to go to, from top of climb from the ground to top of climb and then from descent top of descent down to the ground and then uh the time of the flight and it'll tell you what your millisievert exposure was for that particular flight okay, so if good. you want to track your own radiation exposure you can you can uh, feel free to do so okay good um you mentioned fume events and that's a big topic i think that's you may, you said that's mainly what you focus on well it's it keeps us main that's what keeps us busy yeah. on committee right um i've heard some people think that or questioning if they're still happening they are still happening right yeah, unfortunately, um, we uh, we what's reported to me uh, is about three a week. Okay. Now I don't get all the reports of all the fume events. And that's uh, three a week at Spirit. That's at, not three a week. Thank you, know, you. countrywide. Right? Thanks for that clarification, Colin. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, other airlines, uh, I have some numbers from them too. Uh, JetBlue is averaging a little more than we do. Okay. Delta supposedly less, but yeah, these. Listen, if you're in an aircraft that uses bleed air for air conditioning and pressurization, mm -hmm. the possibility for a fume event exists. The only aircraft that doesn't use bleed air is the 787, and until we get those on property, uh, <laughs> it's it's not if but when yeah. you are going to have a fume event at Spirit. So it, there's not one fleet type that, like, so it's not like the 319s or the, some of the older airplanes. Yeah, they, it, it can happen on yeah. any of the planes, right? even the NEOs. Yeah, it's pretty much across the board, Greg. Okay. We've been getting... Uh, you know, the, the 319s are being reported to me at the same rate as the 321s okay. and then everything yeah. in between. So say I get a fume event, um, you know, on the descent or maybe on the ground or things like that. What, what should a pilot do if they encounter this? Uh, air quality event, we'll call it, right? Yeah, AQE, right? Sure, no problem. Um, obviously, run the checklist, okay. right? Um, here's what I want people to know about... Uh, and bookmark uh, the checklist if you can or highlight it, in, in it the, on the iPad. It is so hard to find in the comm, like yeah. so many of our other checklists, right? And this is such an important one because, again, not if but when. And so, uh, yeah, have it bookmarked. Um, and that's really important. If you're having a fume event in the flight deck, mm -hmm. the number one thing on the first thing you do on the checklist is go on oxygen. Yeah. I can't emphasize this enough to our flight crew members how important it is just to go on oxygen and then talk about it down the road or run the rest of the checklist. Seconds literally seconds can mean the difference between you going home to your family that night or whatever you love and then going to a hospital and spending the night in a hospital. Oh, wow. Second of difference of exposure okay. to this compound that's so toxic to your body. So yeah, it's just really important people to go on oxygen right away. I know mm -hmm. it's awkward. I know it's cumbersome. <laughs> Believe me, I know. Yeah. But uh, we are the only ones protected in the yeah. airplane. You know, we're the only ones with a sealed oxygen system, yeah. uh, not the flight attendants, not the passengers. And so take advantage of that. And um, the and guys that don't get sick are the guys that went on oxygen. So you had a fume event, yep. run, the checklist. run the checklist. I almost wish that oxygen mask on was a pseudo memory item. 
if I could change the world, it would be that that would be a memory item. Yeah, because I understand, the yeah. time that you take to find the checklist, pull it out, and it says go on oxygen, and you do that again, that's seconds. That's, and especially if you have, don't have it bookmarked, and you have to search around for it or new, do a search. Things a like new that. FO yeah. that's, you know, yeah, uh, yeah it could... Well, someone who's not necessarily accustomed to, you know, the unique smells of the Airbus, you know, whether it be from yeah. an airplane in front of you or, you know, and how long, how long do you expect guys should stay on oxygen? Do they stay on oxygen until they get to the gate or are they taking it off at 10,000? What's the procedure? Wow, Colin, that's an awesome question. Um, when you run the checklist, part of the checklist is that you're going to isolate the pack and uh, you can do a little sniff test. Uh, so, for example, the, the, the flight crew members, the, the pilot and co-pilot are smelling something up front. They correctly, go on oxygen, run the checklist, checklist is going to direct you to isolate pack one, right, to, it goes to the front. Then uh, you want to know if you can go off oxygen, right, yeah. that's what, the question. Right. So you can do a little sniff test, okay. uh, your palate. To see if the, fu- the, the air quality event is still so, happening. Yeah, so exactly. So you can, uh, you know, take that mask off, do a sniff test. I would recommend the other guy still stay on oxygen because you still need somebody to have a clear palate. Yeah, right. Right. Uh, you can it's th- three minutes is the time frame to become accustomed to an odor. That's any odor. Doesn't. Yeah. yeah. So you have um, within three minutes, you're not going to know that you're that the odor still exists. So what kind uh, of um, smells are people be looking for? Is is there? I know that we used to say dirty sock, but that's not that's not a thing anymore, right? The dirty sock is yeah. it was with the old oils, and they changed the spirit changed the oil. That's exactly right, Greg. Thanks. Um, Back in uh, about summer of 2019, we swapped okay. over from uh, f- for the aircraft engines from Mobile Jet Oil to to uh, Nyco. Okay. Almost immediately after we went to Nyco, uh, the descriptors that I'm getting for the smell changed. Uh, it was dirty sock for mm-hmm. Mobile Jet Oil too. That was an accurate description, but not anymore. So. Uh, the the range of descriptions that I'm getting right now are all in the chemical family. I'm getting uh-huh. uh, wet paint drying, mm-hmm. uh, spray paint coming out of a can, diesel gas, diesel gas burning, air sickness. Um, I thought this was really good. A guy said he went into the hairdresser to pick up his wife and this smell from the hairdresser chemicals. And um, I just got one the other day. It was... Um, soapy, which I thought was another good descriptor. Okay. So so it's, they're all in the chemical range now. Okay. But again... You don't know what the smell is. If you like Colin just said, you know, we know what the exhaust smell is. We know burning rubber. There's so many smells as pilots that we immediately yeah. recognize. So if you don't recognize it, you don't know what it is. Go air on the side do? of caution. Go yeah, on oxygen. Exactly. <laughs> so okay, so you have this fume event. You run the checklist. You get on the ground. There's a, a maintenance write up. Right. Right. And then there, there's something else, right? Yeah. Um, some maintenance write-ups are, you can't just have a logbook write-up. So, for example, engine vibration. We all know that if you have yeah. an engine vibration, you got to do the extra form, right? right? Same thing with a fume event. It's two documents that you have to complete. So you have to do the logbook write-up. Again, try not to use the word odor. Use uh, fume if you can. Okay. And then also there's the air quality form that is an icon that's on your EFB. Uh, you have to fill that out. Uh, per the FOM, you need to get together with the flight attendants and speak with them while mm. you're filling out the form. If the fume event only happened in the flight deck and the flight attendants had nothing to do with the fume event, had no knowledge of it, you still, the company still requires that you get together with them as you're filling out the air quality form, again, on your EFB. If for some reason the, you can't submit the form, then the paper forms are still in the closet. Okay. So you got you yeah. to do that. So logbook entry, and you got to do the the form, and, and make sure you debrief with the flight attendants. 
debrief flight attendants, uh, a safety reports required, okay. and also a call to the chief pilot. Okay. And so you might, you know, what are the, some of the symptoms that you might feel if you get a fume event? You know, is it so it's like immediate onset or is it something that could happen after hours or days even? Uh, actually call them both. Uh, after organophosphate exposure, you could feel fine, especially with the adrenaline of the fume event, right? You have a lot going on. Mm-hmm. And um, sometimes symptoms might not manifest um, for a day or two later. Be aware of that. And that's important to know because uh, you can still call MedAir days after the event. The, you, you still have that option that medical option to call MedAir, even if it's a day or two later. So you um, mentioned MedAir. Mm-hmm. That's different than MedLink. Because most pilot, pilots know MedLink. That's who we need right. to call if we have a medical issue in the air. Right. Well, so what is MedAir? MedAir um, is an affiliate of the same company. But uh-huh. here's the big difference between the two. Uh, MedLink, you're talking to a physician. Mm-hmm. This You're speaking to a proper doctor. MedAir, you are not speaking to a doctor, and, and very often you're not even speaking to a medical professional. Okay. You're basically uh, going to describe your symptoms to this individual, and then um, they are going, that individual is going to make the determination for your fitness for duty, not you. The company is taking your yeah. fitness for duty uh, out determination okay. out of your hands really? because what can be affected by carbon monoxide exposure or organophosphate exposure judgment and oh, the company okay. gets that so yeah. uh, they don't want you to fit, you know, am I fit for duty well you don't know and it, because your judgment's affected you feel fine but maybe you your feel, judgment might be exactly off. okay so um, so they put that in the hands of MedAir but again it's not a doctor and so uh, you have to just remember that MedAir um, is probably going to try to send you to a uh, urgent care type of facility. I call it a contra care, central care. That's not appropriate mm-hmm. for you to go to. So you're going to have to dictate to MedAir that you need to go to a proper hospital. And the reason is there's two specific medical tests that you need to have to have done. And they're both blood tests and they can only be done at a proper uh, hospital. Okay. Uh, they, an urgent care cannot do those blood tests. So insist on that when insist it's, on if it, you have yeah. this. If you it's unfortunate you have to do that. We're feeling symptom. So what kind of symptoms if, if would you, you feel, maybe? Right. If you have immediate symptoms, like Colin, we were speaking, speaking earlier that symptoms might not manifest late till a day or two later, but they very often manifest immediately. 100% of the time, if they manifest immediately, uh, it's watery eyes, runny nose, scratchy throat, or some combination of that. Right. Then you get into nauseousness, uh, headache, mm-hmm. and then it gets into more serious uh, issues like uh, a racing heart or breathing issues. Okay. Um, or in sometimes uh, gait issues, vertigo, uh, dizziness, you know, some, some kind of neurological okay. issue. Yeah. Got it. What happens if I'm sitting on a deadhead and, you know, I start to smell something and maybe I'm not on my own carry, maybe I'm on spirit, maybe I'm not. What, what should I do? In a yeah, case you're just like screwed, Colin. Yeah, you're just <laughs> scratch you off the seniority list right away, man. Just, just, you're gone. <laughs> well, not everyone's going to move up, so it's, it's not a huge loss. Okay. Well, um, if you're on a spirit flight, there's, it makes a big difference, right? Uh, on a spirit flight, because we're all part of the same team, mm-hmm. and it just makes it a lot easier. Uh, you could easily get on uh, uh, the interphone and get a hold of the captain and say, this is what I'm smelling. Yeah. Because it might not be happening in the cockpit. They might not be aware of it. Yeah, pack two. It easily could be back two and only in the cabin, right? And very often it is. So this is what I'm smelling. I think it's a fume event. I strongly recommend that you run the fume checklist. I mean, that would be what I would do. And then hopefully they isolate the pack and do what they're supposed to do, and then uh, you're no longer exposed. 
it gets a little trickier now of course if you're uh jump seating on another carrier offline carrier offline yeah. carrier because it you know cap presumably a captain's not going to be real happy about you trying to dictate how to run their flight deck mm-hmm. right but you could still get a hold of the flight attendant i'm having a few where i believe we're experiencing a fume event this is what i'm smelling please advise the captain immediately yeah. and that's what would be what i would do okay that's some good advice yeah great so attrition's been an issue at the company at, at the union uh, in general right. um are you looking for volunteers are you looking for help yeah, we've or of course we're always looking for okay. uh, any warm body as long as you can breathe. <laughs> you would be you would qualify. Okay. Um, no, no previous uh, medical experience, or you don't need to re- read big long white papers on fume events to mm-hmm. qualify. Uh, basically, uh, there's a lot of projects like sub projects that we would uh, like to give to anybody else that we could come on committee. We okay. we get beat up day to day with just dealing with uh, everyday fume events, and we don't right. really have time. Uh, on committee to do uh, longer-term projects. And okay. if we had more manpower, then that would be a really good thing. So if anyone was interested, to send you a dart yeah, to the ESC committee. Yeah, send me a dart. Yeah, okay, sure. great. Well, thank you, Karen. I thank you for your time and coming in today. I appreciate it. That was a lot of good information for everyone. Just making sure you're uh, aware of the air quality event yeah. uh, checklist and that you're following the procedures. Thanks, everyone, for listening. We'll see you next time on the Spirit Pilots Podcast. Thanks, Greg. Thanks, Colin, for having me. And thanks for all your hard work on committee.